0: You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we have been in a, uh, really a sermon series for a year on the core values of Gospelite. So if this is your first time with us, I want to bring you up to speed real quickly. But also, if you've been in a habit of coming, you know that there's a transition always at the first of every month. So... Here it is. We started uh, at the first of this year with the theme, the next level. We're already working on next year's theme. And so prayerfully that will be done soon and we'll have that announced here by the end of the year. Super excited about that. Really are. And we're preparing and praying and planning already a lot of exciting things for next year. But this year was all prayed and planned as well. And the next level has been a great theme. We've been working through the core, uh, core values of Gospel Light which go along with the acrostic of our name of our church. So, uh, Gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, that's six months we covered. And then L-I-G-H-T will cover us all the way through November. So, we've just got two more to cover. And I think this particular month could be as important as anything we've talked about. Now, we've talked about a lot of things with, with our core values. And it has resulted in some exciting things at our church. For instance, we've had people that have joined our church this year Uh, you know, in response to certain things that have been preached and taught. We've had folks that have been saved and baptized. Others maybe started to give. And uh, there's a plethora of decisions that are being made when you preach so many different subjects. But this particular month, I think, is really important for our church. You heard a moment ago about uh, a song that was speaking about the early church that was born there. We read an account in the book of Acts, as we will this morning, about this church, and it was a great church. And so this morning I have entitled the series, What Makes a Great Church? What is it? And and I want to talk through that with you this month. And I want to lay a foundation this morning for the series. So I'm going to take a little extra time to lay the foundation, and I'll preach through the three points a little more expedite, you know, expedite that a little bit so I can lay a foundation because I want you to kind of know the direction in which we're going by by calling this series What makes a great church. And even more specifically, the sermon title for this morning's message. So this will lay a foundation for the other messages. So I, I appreciate your prayers and, and, your, and your patience as well. Because our theme this year has been next level, and we have been talking about the core values, and we are on the tenth core value, which starts with the letter H in L-I-G-H and the word Uh, the the, the, uh, the word for the letter H is hope and so we're talking today about hope is what we offer to the world as a church that is our core value and the next level statement is giving hope to the world at the next level Jesus Christ is the hope of the world I'll take that but I'll give you a second chance are you ready? And by the way, notice how I said it. It's pretty exciting. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Yeah. Amen. Yes, that was better. By the way, the first service did the same thing. So don't worry, all right? <clears throat> no, I, 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 I didn't give you a good enough cue, but that's a pretty exciting statement. And maybe equally as exciting as this, that the local church is what God uses to proclaim that hope. And this is where we meet this morning at a local church, gospel light. And the verse that we're using here is 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 as far as a theme verse for the core value. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And here's how I want you to do that. I want you to give an answer for the hope that is in you But do it with gentleness and do it with respect. I love that. As a group this morning, as a local church, as a body of believers, we can accomplish so much more together than we can apart. And I want you to see that as we walk through the book of Acts for a few Sundays. I want you to see the togetherness. And some of the things we're going to talk about this morning allude to the fact that this church was together. And being a church at the next level is about remembering the true identity of the church. In fact, this is really good for those of you considering uh, Gospelite as your church home, to understand uh, what, what does Gospel Light consider to be the identity of the church? Well, it's about knowing what makes a great church. And and, and seeking to be that kind of church because the world needs hope and the church is the vehicle of hope to the world. And so for the month of October, our sermon series is going to be entitled, What Makes a Great Church? Now, if I were to ask a pastor, a prospective pastor, maybe someone even in this room who potentially feels one day I would love to pastor a church. I've got the call of God on my life and I'm just praying for his leadership one day if i were to ask you as a prospective pastor would you like to pastor a great church more than likely you would say yes i mean sure why not i mean yeah i'd love to pastor a great church if i were to go to an individual a person and say to them uh hey listen i i was just curious about you know you're searching for a church home looking for a place to worship would you be interested in being a part of a great church No doubt that person, I think, would say, yes, sure, of course, I I want to be a part of a great church. And yet I'm concerned that the word great is such a highly used word that oftentimes it becomes overused. Used to the point where it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't matter. It's not correct. I heard an old joke, and this is like 25 years ago. I don't tell jokes because I don't tell jokes very well, but I remember this one. And while I was preparing for the message, it kind of surfaced in my mind. It's about these two ladies that hadn't been together for a long time. They finally got together, and they were talking and getting acquainted, reacquainted. And so one lady said to the other, hey, what's been going on in your life? And she said, oh, uh, I I just got married. And she said, that's great. And she said, no, it's not so great. She said, why is that? She says, because he's mean. And she said, oh, that's bad. No, it's not so bad. Why is that? Because he's got a lot of money. Oh, that's great. No, it's not so great. Why? He's stingy. He won't give me any of it. Oh, that's bad. No, it's not so bad. Why? Well, because he built me a house. Oh, that's great. No, it's not so great. Why? Because it burnt down. Oh, that's bad. No, it's not so bad. Why? He was in it. I I I told that joke decent, but it's got such a sad ending, you know. But, but I still say that it's an overused word, and a lot of words are overused. But, but what is the definition of great? It may, it may help us to understand why it's overused. It, it, it is above average in size. As I found the definition, it, it's an amount of remarkable character, important, or of much consequence. No wonder people refer to as great. Boy, he's a great guy. That's a great person. He's a great preacher. And, and oftentimes we use that word great because they've achieved something or they have, they've made an address that became famous or maybe some sort of accomplishment or some, some sort of a, a way to be admired. But when you think, back to a great church, when you think of a great church, what do you think of? What came to mind? You know, it's interesting, I, I just jotted down a few interesting indicators. First of all, I think one interesting indicator is oftentimes people consider a church great because of its size, the size of a church. But, but I wonder if we get size and success confused. I think it's possible. I don't think the size of a church makes a great church, at least size alone. Secondly, what about the, this interesting uh, uh, indicator, the structures of the church? Having a state-of-the-art facility, with with all of the technology and, and attractive to the eye, is that what makes a church great? We see in Scripture that the disciples were even impressed by the large buildings in the corrupt Jewish temple, but they missed the Messiah. And in Mark chapter number 13, we see this addressed as Jesus was going out of the temple. One of his disciples asked him, teacher, look. Look at these impressive things, these massive stones, these impressive buildings. They're awesome, aren't they? And Jesus said, you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. It's as if Jesus was reminding them that the size of the structure doesn't mean it's great. Thirdly, the sound of the church. The worship, the, the music, the, the singing. We, we experienced that this morning. And really, if I could, just in an in a affirmation way, say we enjoy some great worship here, some really good talent, and I affirm that, and, and, and it's a wonderful thing. But is that what makes a church great? The sound. Or what about the speakers of the church? Boy, he sure can speak. He uses words I don't even understand. Boy, the oratory of, of uh, his, his approach to, to speaking. And we, we surely have great orators in our country today. And I'm not saying that's bad or wrong or that I don't want to achieve, uh, you know, some things in speaking. But wait a minute, is that what makes a great church? The, the ability of, to communicate the gospel. Or what about the systems of the church? We've got a lot of those here, <laughs> Children's ministry, youth ministry, school ministry, college ministry, young adult ministry, the systems of the church. Is that what makes a church great? Well, these things, if you think about it, they they could make a church great, but in whose eyes? Man's or God's? Man's eyes. A great church is a great church, first of all, because it has a great God. Amen? Amen? That's why we sang a moment ago. We started this whole service off uh, being led by the Holy Spirit to sing great things, to make, to point our attention to the one who is responsible for any great thing that happens in the church. Amen. We serve a great God. He does great things. And that's the first thing we want to establish in this series. God is what makes a church great. But when we think of anything that is great. Let's remember, too, that it's always made up of a lot of little things. For instance, I looked up some things that were great in our world today. They're actually called great. Like, for instance, here's a picture of the great pyramids of Giza. And they're pretty great. Has anybody by chance in the building ever been to these great pyramids in Giza? You'd have to go a long way. Oh, good. Okay, Jason, you've been there. I'm sure they're pretty astounding and amazing. In fact, they are one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. These are amazing things, and when you look at them, I'm sure if you were there, it would be even more powerful. In fact, they're the oldest of the seven wonders of the ancient world. But they're great not because of that picture. They're great because they're made up of a lot of little stones, hewn stones and rocks. That's what makes the great pyramids of Giza great. And then what about the Grand Canyon? We could call it the Great Canyon, but they didn't call it great. They called it Grand. Same thing, right? The Grand Canyon, I've seen the Grand Canyon. And if you want to see the Grand Canyon, let me tell you, you got to walk a long ways because it's 1,463,000 plus feet of canyon, like a great riverbed that weaves its way through these rocks. And when you get an aerial view, it's astounding, it's amazing. And yes, it looks great, but it's not great because of one picture. It's great because it's made up of a lot of little stones. And you got to walk a lot of little feet to get through this great Grand Canyon. And then something called the Great Wall of China. Several people in our services, in the first service, had been to the Great Wall of China. Maybe you've been there. It's a series of walls made up of millions of bricks that's 7,349,000 feet long. It's astounding. And yet, if you could see the Great Wall of China... It would be great not because it's one long wall but because it's made up of millions of bricks. That's what makes it great. And then what about the Great Barrier Reef? I've had the chance to go to the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Millions of corals that make up the Great Barrier Reef. Another one of the seven natural wonders of the world. It's a spectacular view. It's a spectacular reef. It's something that I'll never forget going to but it's not just a reef it is made up of 900 islands 900 and 2500 reefs make up the great barrier reef little things. and then what about finally the great himalayas i have to mention these because this is the the great himalayas include the the largest tallest mountain in all the world mount everest but yet it's not just mount everest that makes up the great Himalayas, it's 110 different mountains. Little mountains, if there is such a thing, that make up a great thing. What am I saying? That what makes great things, especially these, are things like rocks and bricks and stones and coral. What makes a great church? Let me begin. People. People. And you're going to see in the book of Acts, that when the, the, the book of Acts refers to the church being great, it always refers to a group of people, a, a, a people that make up the church. I'm sitting here today, not, not because of one person or because of a sound man or a nursery worker or somebody at the coffee shop. This church is made up of people, people who have so much potential. Together we can be great. And the early church had some things about it that shook the world. That's where the sermon title this morning comes from. That a great church has great power to shake the world for Jesus. And I would be the first to say that I marvel at the power of the early church. Marvel. I mean, you read accounts where 3,000 people were saved in one day. Other places where 5,000 people were saved in one day. In multiple places in the book of Acts where miracles have taken place. And over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at these great attributes, great attributes of the early church and how they brought hope to the world. Because as I read the book of Acts, and maybe as you have read the book of Acts, you may have noticed something. That the word great actually appears many times in connection with the early church. And the first one we see shows up in chapter number 4. And it's great power. Look at Acts chapter 4 with me on the screen. Verse 33, you're in your Bibles. <coughs> with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection, which we sang about this morning, of the Lord Jesus. You see, the first thing we see here that the great church had was great power. Now, how did they get this great power? Where did this great power come from? Why did they need this great power? And who gave them this great power? Let's discover all that together. One thing we know about is the early church did not have any buildings. They had no budget. We know this, though. They had great power. They had preachers, but not with Bible college degrees. But they had been with Jesus And what Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 is that they turned the world upside down for Jesus. Look at verse 6 of Acts 17. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials. And here's what they were shouting as they were dragging these men before the city officials. These men have turned the world upside down. And they've come here. What can we learn from the early church together? And how can we as a church, become a great church. I want to give you three lessons as we begin this morning, three lessons quickly from the early church on how to be a great church with great power. Number one, first thing I want you to see here is we've got to learn to connect to the source of great power. And just a hint, first of all, is this. They were plugged into the power of prayer. And it was the power of prayer that plugged them in to the great source of power, which is God Almighty, because the source they found is what we need today. Now let's look at the text, because the early church, the apostles had just been to jail for preaching the gospel, for preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. So we're in Acts chapter 4. I just read you verse 33, but let's reverse. Let's go back to verse 1. And let's see what was happening here, just to get the full context of the story, right? Look at verse 1, if you would. It says, while they were speaking, the people, the priest, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees, it's a lot of people, right? They confront them, and it wasn't pretty. They were annoyed, and here's what they were annoyed about, that they were teaching The people that Jesus rose from the dead. They were preaching. They were proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. So here was their response to that. They seized him. We'll stop this. We'll take control of the situation. So the government comes in, just saying, and takes him into custody. Says, we're going to get rid of this stuff. And so the Bible says that they took him into custody until the next day, because it was in the evening time. Now, the next day, they were questioned about their source of power in verse 7. Look at it. And they had Peter and John stand before them, and they began to question them. And here's how they questioned them. By what? By what power or in what name have you done this? By what authority, by what power are are you doing this? By what name are you doing this? Well, first of all, They were preaching the resurrection of Jesus, but that really wasn't what was annoying them. It was, but it wasn't. If you go back to chapter 3, you say what really ticked them off was the fact that Peter and John had just healed a paralytic man, and he was jumping and praising God. Look at verse number 9. Here was their response. If we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Do you see the boldness here? These boys have just been arrested by the government. They've just been held at hostage for a day and the morning comes they're questioned and they say, "Hey, let's just make it clear. Let it be known. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you here, healthy. ho. Oh, these religious leaders clearly recognized that Peter and John were plugged into and connected to the power source, which is Jesus. Wow. I learned this from the early church. Listen to this in verse 13. When they observed the boldness, so, so they're like, Whoa, dude, these guys are coming back strong. They observed the boldness of Peter and John, and here's what they realized their perception was they were uneducated and untrained, but they've been with Jesus. They were amazed, and they recognized. That they had been with Jesus. And so, after they were threatened by the Sanhedrin, by the the, the Pharisees and whoever, they were released. Look at verse 18. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach. Don't do this anymore, you understand? You can't do this. You can't preach Jesus. You can't preach the resurrection. This is a no-no. You understand, correct? Don't do that. After threatening them further, they release them. And they thought they had the power to stop it. But the power doesn't come from government. The power doesn't come from rulers. The apostles knew that God was the source of their power. So important for us to understand. And when the disciples came back from their meeting with the Sanhedrin, as we work our way through the text, the whole assembly came together in prayer. Here we are at our first point, plugged into the power of prayer. Prayer plugged the early church into the power source. I think most of us understand the importance of prayer. Amen? Most of us. I mean, I I know ESPN analysts do because I watched some football yesterday like every godly person did. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That was off script. I watched a little football yesterday. Saw a guy get hit, maybe you saw it, and you had to cart him off the field, and they stopped. It was the Arkansas game, right? And I heard them say, you know, hey, we need to pray. You know, that's the first thing we need to do, we need to pray, we should let you know. And we saw that with Demar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills, remember that, about a year ago? How often do we see that when someone's injured or even when we hear the news of someone passing away or some sort of injury? How often do we hear someone acknowledge the importance of prayer? Is that common? I think it is. It's common in our church. It's common for us to say, hey, we need to pray. We prayed for Jerome. I'm glad he's here in the second row. Jerome, God bless you. Can we just give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that? That's my man. You know why I'm preaching better? Because he's back on the second row. Amen. Or at least I feel like I am. I probably not. But anyway, I've, I've given you some, uh, some credit there, Jerome. Thank you, brother. I'm so glad you're here all these years. I think we all would understand the importance of prayer. But I want to go a step farther. And I want you to hear me. Probably nothing we do in our Christian walk is more important than prayer. Nothing. Nothing. Prayer is the secret to the power of God and listen to what the how the apostles prayed here in acts chapter 4 verse 23 as we work our way to verse 33 after they were released so they were released the first thing they did was they went to their own people they reported everything the chief priest and the elders had said to them and when they heard this they raised their voices together to god and said master You are the one who has made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. What we witness here is in the middle of this hardship, the early church prayed. They raised their voices together. Prayer connected them to the power. Because true power comes from one source, God himself. God himself. Listen, let me confess this to you this morning. I come to you with no power on my own. I have nothing to offer you today, nothing. This is all, I, I, if, I were to, if I were to preach in my own power, in my own eloquence, in my own talent, in my own giftings, if I were to do that and, and have you walk out the building and say, hey, great message, great job, preacher. Man, you're a great this, you're a great that. I want you to know that accomplishes zero, nothing i'm just a conduit that's really all i am and if i ever get away from thinking that i'm in trouble you say have you ever done that i I, I would guess just to be totally honest that i have i would say one of the things we all struggle with at least i know in my profession is pride sometimes you think you know well hey i've got something really good to share let me say i don't care how good it is without the power of god I, i it's like the power line you look at that power line and think man that must be powerful, not without the grid. The grid is the source of the power. But the power line then becomes just a way to bring the electricity to your house. And all I am today is a conduit. It's all I am. And any effectiveness today in this message will only come as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you. You say, well, I, I, I don't hear His voice. Hang on. Keep listening. Keep listening. I hear you, preachers, quiet down. Okay, I'll quiet down. He's speaking. And when you hear him say, hey, I told him to say that. This is the message I laid on his heart, and this is for you. I need you to listen. Not me, but the Holy Spirit. The source of power is God. Look at, Listen to Psalm 62, 11. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. Power does not come from positive thinking. Power does not come from working harder. The power of God comes from the Holy Spirit working within us. That's where the power comes from. And the power of God is the ability of God's word or spirit to change and produce transformation. And as a church, we need the power of God behind everything that we do. And I want you to notice in the text the result of being connected to the power source. Look at it. It's in verse 31. It says, While they and when they had prayed, the place, this was the result... When they finished praying, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God boldly. Church family, it seems that we often resort to prayer when we are shaken. They resorted to prayer to be shaken. Shake us, God. Shake us up. Shake our church shake our assembly shake us up do whatever it takes god to bring revival to this church to this city to this country to this world god shake us this is how they prayed and when they prayed the holy spirit shook them and if we would have the power of god resting on us in this day and time then what we need to do is make use of the resource of prayer and, and, and I think it needs to be made useful individually and corporately. Individually, it's sometimes a little easier, at least to preach, because there's no accountability. I can just say, hey, this is what you need to do. And We've talked about that, and here's a method of prayer. Here's some ideas. Here's have a place, have a procedure, you know, ha- have a, you know some sort of method, ha- have, a, ha- have a, a, a time, and all of these things. We've talked about that, and we should. We should privately have a prayer life. And prayerfully, that, that could be in the morning, and that's a good time. That's, that's probably a time where I start my day in prayer and Bible reading, and, you know, and I've done that for years. But throughout the day, my wife and I were in San Diego this week, and it was a little easier for us to pray together. And we, we took Uber drivers everywhere, right? So we would pray, and God help us to have conversations with these Uber drivers that might turn into opportunities to share the love of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, It was unreal. I mean, we, we both, I think, look, San Diego's beautiful, right? And the food's great, but I'm going to tell you, it's lost. There are people hurting, by, they've been hurt by the church. It seemed like every Uber driver we had has been hurt by pastors. And so as soon as I told them I was a pastor, it was like, oh yeah? Well, let me tell you what I think about you and every one of you. And we had the chance to just love on them. And by the time we got out of a Uber car after Uber car after Uber car, we just, we just were broken hearted, but grateful that God answered our prayer. We can pray all the time. We can pray together as a husband and wife. We can pray with our children. We can pray before lunch and dinner and breakfast. But what about corporate prayer? How is that addressed? I think that's one of the most the most difficult things to do because prayer has been given such a a a bad rap i mean you know we're we're afraid are we going to have to pray and prayer meetings are not well attended and so we've just kind of given up on it right i mean you know i'm not going so you know you have one but you know you'll get the pastors there maybe the leaders there and that's fine and that's good and, and i'm grateful for that so to confess to you as the lead elder here not the only one i'm one of seven but as the lead pastor as the lead elder who's responsible for the majority of the preaching and teaching here, I will confess to you that we have not led well recently in that. Corporate prayer has been a struggle for our church. We've had better seasons and better days. If you're a guest today, this is part of what it means to be a part of a local body. Transparency. Honesty. And so we've not led well there. I was not, I did not have this in my notes, and I had to preach my last two points quickly, and I'll have to do the same again, because I feel led to do it. It's not in my notes, but I was led by the Holy Spirit in the first service, and honestly, it went so well, I I don't know if it'll not go well in this service, but you know, I think sometimes when we're led by the Spirit to do something, at least for me, fear. Fear of what will happen. Fear, what if it doesn't work? Fear of just Maybe this is too spooky. If you know me, you know I, I don't intend to do that. I have no desire to be spooky. I don't want to, I don't think a Sunday morning service is the place to, to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And I would not want any guest to feel as if this is directed towards you in any way unless the Holy Spirit leads you. But I want to do something that I did in the first service. I just want to take a time out because if we're going to talk about corporate prayer then maybe what this lead pastor should do is is say it's it's time to pray and I I want to do this let's do it like this would you for for a moment would you bow your heads with me and I'm I'm doing that for a reason just bow your heads and close your eyes (coughs) and the reason I want to do it that way is I want you to think for just a moment if there's something you need prayer about maybe it's a a a family issue, a child that's wayward. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's an illness. It's a report you got this week from the doctor. I was talking to a, a, a Christian friend this week in Hot Springs who got some news about their heart, and they're having to go in for an EKG, and they're very, very concerned. Maybe it's something like that. But but you would say, Pastor, I, I'm thinking of something in my life, in my family, in my personal. I'm just thinking of something that I, I do need prayer. If you're like that in the building with heads bowed and eyes closed, as best as we can do that, would you lift your hand if you would say there's something God has placed on my heart, business-wise, family-wise, financial-wise, something that I'd like, just thank you. I would say, and I know there's several going up as we think. Thank you. You could put your hands down. Thank you. I see that. I, I, it seems that we, the more we waited, the more hands began to go up. There's a lot of people in the room, but I, I think we probably had 30 to 35 hands. I, I want to do this. I just want to ask, if you raised your hand, and you would like special prayer in this way, I would, I would love to do it. We're not going to ask you what the request is. We're not, you're not going to speak. I would just like to ask you, if you would, to come. Just to come and let me pray for you in the front in just a moment. And then I want to do this. Don's here, my wife's here, the Presslers are coming, Adriana, my brother, what's your name? Andrew, Andrew, love you, man. God bless you, brother. Now, more than I thought, this is great. Thank you. If you're also here and you would like to come around these folks and just pray with us. This is kind of old-fashioned, but if you ha- recognize somebody here just would like to stand with them and, pr- and just pray with us, you can come around these folks. And let's just, I'm going to ask you to pray with the person you're standing next to. Just find someone and just pray with them. Susan. Maybe, maybe make sure everybody's got something. Just, let's take a moment to pray. I'll close this, okay? Let's just pray. Maybe one person in the group. Got Carla? Would you pray with Carla? Yeah. Awesome. You just pray together. Whoever you're with. If you're by yourself, feel free to put your hand on the shoulder of someone. Father in heaven. God, I thank you for this moment. Lord, I can only imagine how this must make you feel. As our church attempts to step into corporate prayer together, as we lift our voices, we don't even know what the needs are. But we know there are needs in this building. We know people are hurting. Odds are, God, every one of us has some sort of trial we're facing. Odds are some of us live every day with a burden that's not going away. And so, Father, I pray into this group of people today, whatever they came for, sickness, finances, family, marriage, Lord, I just pray that the prodigals would come home, that bodies would be healed, that marriages would be restored, that finances would be replenished, that debts would be paid, that miracles would take place. In the name of Jesus, would your power, your miracle-working power flow through this group, and may you, God, begin to heal wounds and restore relationships and replenish mistakes that have been made by all of us, Father. Please, restore us. We love you. We need you, and we thank you for this time of prayer. In Jesus' name, we pray together, amen, amen. God bless you, folks. Thank you. This has been a very meaningful moment for me. <clears throat> you say, when's the last time you did that? Again, to be honest, it's been a long time. We do have an altar call, but not many people come, and it's okay. I get it. I mean, personally, I, I, like, I like to just worship during that time too, you know. It's fun because it's good stuff. And that's the end. of. And by the way, you don't have to come and respond. You can respond in your seat. But we do have an altar call. And we do have prayers in our lighthouses and we have prayer opportunities in in other ways. But I'm I'm asking God to work and, and to show the elders how we can put more emphasis on corporate prayer. So what I've done is I bought a case of these books called Praying the Psalms. The church didn't purchase these, they're they're for me to give away. I, I got these and these I've I've got about forty. If you're interested in the book, it's, it's really good. I actually gave Jordan a copy of it, you know, about a year ago, and he told me he liked it a lot. We haven't started to do any of this like this, but we do read the Scriptures together. Don't you like that? Isn't that special? And then we have a benediction at the end. What this is, this is giving you a chance to pray through the Psalms. There's 41 Psalms, and they're, they're almost like miniature little ways to pray through the Lord is my shepherd. God, thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you for just always being there, watching over me. And Lord, I've I've never really wanted for anything when I think about it. God, you've always provided the things that I've needed, my wants, my desires. Lord, is my shepherd, I shall not want. You lead me, God. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul, Father. Thank you for always restoring me when I'm down and depleted. God, you seem to all, it's basically praying through the Psalms. And it teaches us how to do this. If you're interested in a copy, I'd like to give every leader of every home or a single person who feels led, you know, I'd like this book. It's a gift. And I gave some out in the first service. I'll give the rest out in the second service until they're gone. And, and, And I'd love to give that to you. And there's a lot of books on praying through the Psalms. So if you, if you say, oh, I'll let you keep the book and look it up, there's like 20. This is the one that I, I have really, I really like to recommend. So I'll give it to you after the service if you'd like it. I'll have them in the back. And Carol maybe you can keep some in the front too. So that way, if you want to give some out, we'll do that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. Let's get connected to the source of power. Number two, covet the secret of great power. And here's my little statement about that. They were plugged into the power of passion. The secret of great power is love and unity in the church, in your family, in friendships. Look with me, if you would, please, at Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. This is awesome. And I'll be quick preaching these last two points much more briefer than I did the first one. Now, the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. Now now what we're learning here about the early church is simply this, they did not live for themselves. They lived for those around them. And that's possible today. That's possible today. We don't have to live for ourselves. We can choose to live for those around us. They were consumed about the needs of other believers. They were concerned about the needs of the lost around them. And Jesus told us in his high priestly prayer, he told us what his will for the church was. Here it is on the screen, John chapter 17 and verse number uh, 21. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world... Are you kidding me? This is incredible. I have to stop here and just stand amazed at that scripture. Amazed. Literally what scripture is teaching us here today is that the love and unity of the church has so much potential that the world might believe that Jesus really came and died and rose again. This is what the world is looking for, a people who actually love one another, sincerely love one another, and they're in unity. They're different. I'm not talking about uniformity. We're all different. We have different opinions, different beliefs, different likes, different dislikes, but that has nothing to do with the fact that we can still love one another as we are and be in unity, and then the world might just believe. This is what the Bible teaches. I don't know what your opinion was of Jesus' revolution the movie, but I saw it and, you know, I I enjoyed it. I'm not here to discuss all the—and there's conversations and Bible studies and and even, you know, different discussions that can be had about— but I'll say this. I think we can all agree. If you watched the movie, and I recommend it, but if you did, I think we can all agree that one thing that clearly— brought them together one thing that clearly swept across the United States was that the church came together there was love there was unity for those who weren't just like them and it was amazing and we saw something happen that we've not seen happen really since because when we love one another as we should and when we walk in unity it lets the world around us know that our profession of faith is real And that we truly belong to Christ. No other testimony we give preaches so loud and so clear as our love for one another. We need to plug into the power of love. Not just love that talks, not just love that says, I love you. We need to plug into a power, into a love that acts. Because love acts, love gives. We must plug into a love that puts others ahead of self. Because when I love you like I should, I'm going to forgive you when you hurt me. If I love you like I should, I'm going to seek your best interest ahead of mine. When I love you like I should, I'm going to treat you like I should. Love makes us think of each other as one. Listen to Acts 4.32. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. Take a look also back in verse 24. They lifted up their voices to God with one accord. Church family. There's a lot of people in this room. And for many different people from different backgrounds, with different personalities, different colors, different likes and dislikes, Different situations, that's the next statement to put on the screen. Different situations, to be united as one body and to live in one accord. This, this can only be done by a work of God. There is no way for us to have unity. We're two different, different likes, different dislikes, different backgrounds, different situations. How are we going to be united only by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. That's why there's barriers to unity. Pride is a barrier. Well, I just I'm better than them. I've got more money. I'm, I'm I've got more nicer this and nicer that. I mean, I'm not saying you feel this way, but pride. Listen, when I've had pride and I have had it and I probably will have it again. It's it's tough to fight. Anybody agree? Pride is a struggle. Good it's a struggle for me it just is and i want you to know pride in proverbs it says pride brings contention pride cometh by contention and a haughty spirit before a fall pride oh listen this is something we need to understand pride brings. proud people have a high opinion of themselves and this is not good for unity and love in the church and then what about personality differences? This is a big one, too. I experienced this as a pastor where, well, I just don't, you know, so-and-so's just too loud. So-and-so doesn't talk. So-and-so's just too quiet. So-and-so comes from the other side of town. So-and-so's just different. So-and-so doesn't talk. So, and we just have these differences in our personalities, and so that becomes a barrier. It's like, pastor, you're so much easier to talk to. You know, you talk, and you've got an A-type personality. Well, what about the person that comes to church and sits on the back row and doesn't say a word? Are they just not a part? Or or can we make an effort to make sure they know that you don't have to have the personality of the pastor or, or you or anybody else, amen? Let's put our personality differences aside for the sake of unity. And then thirdly, presumption is a barrier to unity because we often presume The worst. We see somebody who doesn't look like us. Maybe it's a tattoo or a certain color of hair or a certain d- style of dress or a, a certain whatever. And we begin to presume, well, I just, you know, I, I'm sure they, or maybe it's a background. Maybe they've sinned. Maybe there's a mistake. There's something that tainted their past. There's, a, there's maybe whatever. You, you fill in the blank. I'm not going to start that. I could, and I would eventually get to me because we're all sinners. So maybe it's something that's happened. Well, I'm sure it'll happen again. I mean, I wouldn't trust them, And we just presume the worst. And it's so sad because it doesn't promote unity and love. Love makes us considerate of others. Listen to Acts 4 and verse 32. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. They were considerate. They practiced godly stewardship. They were unselfish. Love makes people more important than possessions. That's the lesson. And then finally, number three, and I'll conclude. Continue to speak with great power. They were plugged into the power of prayer. They were plugged into the power of passion. And they were plugged into the power of preaching. Preaching the Word of God. While the early church was marked by prayer, and while the early church was marked by love, they were also marked by the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly records that it was with great power they preached. Let's go to our text, Acts 4.33. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And next Sunday is this message, Great Grace. Do you see it? Great Grace? That's next Sunday. Don't get ahead of myself great grace was upon them all. Their preaching and their witness was effective because God empowered their preaching and he blessed the proclamation of the gospel. But God must do the empowering. Did you hear me? God must do the empowering. If we preach the gospel in our flesh, it is to no avail. In fact, I didn't get to get these verses to my graphic team because I found it too late in Scripture. And if you are preparing messages sometimes when you do it like we do it and you find something, you're like, should I say it? Should I not say it? It's not my notes. Can I say it real quick? Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Listen to this. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest. And here's what they said. This man is the power of God, and he is called great. He was great because he thought he was great. He wasn't great because of the power of God. In fact, he said, Scripture says that he said, I am the power of God. Pride. But notice it says, they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic, but when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, even simon himself believed and was baptized the dude that was preaching got saved and baptized hallelujah we probably need a revival in the pulpit of pastors getting saved amen who knows i know this i need to get right with god for sure i'm one of those guys about this matter of prayer and passion and preaching Far too often I've preached in my own ability. Far too often I've preached based on the compliments of the people. It happens. It's part of life. It's part of growing in grace. I've got a long way to go. But i tell you, church, if you'll be patient with me, one of these days I'll get there, if not, when I get to heaven. Amen? But I'm working on it. And I realize that it's not by, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And as we preach with the Spirit of God, We've been given the greatest message this world has ever known, the gospel of grace. Mark 16, 15 tells us that we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So here it is in closing. We have a missions revival coming up in two weeks. I stress it. I talk about it. I, I, I'm pushing it. I'm saying, listen, we've even created a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning package to where it's not going to take you away from work or make it hard for you to come. We're really trying to make this so easy for our whole church to be a part of. Because I'm convinced that great power, a church with great power can shake the world for Jesus. So I had my graphic guy, Ken, put together a picture of the world. And as you see the world, everything on that screen is missionaries who we support with our missions giving. Everything on the screen you see, or prayer by the way as well, you see here supported missionaries. Those are missionaries that we support in town or in our state, FCA, Crisis Pregnancy Center, those kinds of things. The church plants, we've got one in Georgia, one in Louisiana, one in Columbus. We have another church planter coming to this, uh, to this missions revival. He's going to be, I really believe, a blessing to us. And then we've got the cooperative program that supports over 3,500 missionaries around the world. We've got the North American Mission Board that planted over 600 churches in 2022. And then look at the other names. The names are in countries, Costa Rica, Honduras, West Indies, Dominican Republic, Portugal, Israel, Africa, Taiwan, the Philippines, Vanuatu. These are missionaries that we support all over the world. Are you with me? I told Ken, I wish I could have created a way to shake that screen while you're looking at that, because that's what I want you to see. We can shake the world for Jesus. But understand this, the measure of the success of our mission's revival will not be measured by the size of our mission's offering. And this should be on the screen as well. Or the faith promise giving. The measure of success is whether we have the power of God to do His work. I think sometimes we've emphasized the money. I know I have. Sometimes we've emphasized the crowd, who comes. The measure of success is not based on money or attendance. It's based on the power of God to do the work. I don't have the power as a possession. I I don't have power to offer you. It's not like I can say, hey, as you're walking out, shake my hand and you'll get the power. I don't have anything to offer you. I just want to be plugged into the power so that when I'm preaching, teaching, giving, praying, sharing in an Uber car. The words that come out of my mouth are delivered in power to the people that I'm talking to by God in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm just a conduit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And as a result of that, you'll be my witnesses in Hot Springs, in Garland County, in Arkansas, this is the Greek, in the United States, and in the world, and in the world. Church family, we need to get plugged into the power of prayer. I want to announce that Saturday morning we're going to have a prayer meeting in the auditorium at 9 o'clock in the morning, and it's for anybody who can come. It's not going to work for everybody. It may only work for a few, But if you can be here, we're going to pray for one hour. Or if you can stay for 30 minutes or 15 minutes or 45, I'll be here for an hour. And we'll just pray in groups. We're going to pray for the missions revival. Pray for the speakers. Kevin Connor is speaking. Scott Mercer is speaking. Jordan and the team are going to lead us in worship. Freddie and Angelica are going to share their ministry. Their Christian nonprofit, Ashes, Ashes to Life. I'm excited. It's going to be great. We're going to pray. Let's pray. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, if you can make it. And this morning, if you came and you don't know for sure that you're a Christian, you've never truly started a relationship with Jesus, I want to offer you an opportunity to do that. The altars are open for prayer. And we've already had a lot of it. But if you'd like to come, feel free to come. I'll be here if you need someone to pray with. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm really looking forward to next Sunday's message on great grace. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I love you. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ, whom I'm growing with. seems like every week we're growing. We're becoming more like a true New Testament church. God, I know that we're not there yet, but we're desiring to be a church that offers hope to the world. God, we know the hope is Jesus, and we just want to be a conduit to share Jesus through this platform you've given us, this incredible resource of an assembly. God, give us your power, power the power that comes through prayer and being plugged into the power source, the power of passion, which is love for one another, and the power of preaching, which is proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to worship and to read some more scripture and to go in peace to this community. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?